The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily state or reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 26th of February, 2022. I'm your host, Bad Billy, and got a great show lined up for you this week. Yes, indeed. In just a little bit, if you remember a couple of years ago, I interviewed Molly Diago. Well, she is back. Yes, you're going to hear a conversation between me and her in the second hour. Going to turn back the clock. Yes, time for another AOW Classic with a former EFC champion and current UFC fighter now, Drickus Stillnox Duplessis. Yes, I interviewed him back in 2014. So I'm going to replay that interview. In the third hour, the Steve Solution and him and I having a serious conversation about the tensions between Russia and Ukraine. Before I get to any of that, I want to cue the first song of the show. This is the latest single from Molly Diago. It's called End of the World. And I'll be back with the conversation I had with Molly right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. From a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out. It's Outlaw Radio. Is there any remedy for a broken heart that still bleeds? Show me how to sew it all up. Feeling like it's not. Blunt too many cause and effect You don't see the skin that you cut
Hey there, thrill seeker, rocking out to the station. I hear you. You're probably even sipping on a drink right now. An average blah blah drink in a can or bottle, one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you. I'll bet you want something different, don't you? Something more. Take your shot with Cold Cock Whiskey, the best whiskey anywhere. Why? Because it's different from other liquors. Cold Cock Whiskey is herbal whiskey, 100% all natural herbs blended with aged American whiskey. No more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. They say to teach a man to fish and he'll... doesn't matter. He's not a real man if he doesn't already know how to fish. Mr. Holland, Mr. Holland, over here, over here. Ma'am, ma'am, please keep it in your pants. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with with liberty and justice for all. Imagine a silent world where these words do not exist. Freedom of speech. Let your voice be heard. This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, Robert R. McCormick Foundation, and this station. So you go into your sporting goods or firearms store to get that gun and ammunition you've been wanting to buy, only to find out that the store doesn't have it. Worse yet, the shelves are bare. They're empty. Ugh. Well, that's why there's GunBroker.com. You want it? GunBroker.com's got it. Guns, gun parts, ammo, ammo storage, reloading equipment, binoculars, scopes, sights. Did I mention guns? Pistols, rifles, handguns, shotguns, machine guns, paintball guns, archery supplies, tools, jewelry, watches, even musical instruments and gear. Yes, GunBroker.com has those too. I'm telling you, they have it all. There are even auctions where you can bid on certain items. The folks at GunBroker.com know their stuff. They've been in business for over 20 years with over 6 million happy registered users. Why not become one of them? GunBroker.com. Go there. Check it out. Register today. It's 100% free. GunBroker.com. GunBroker.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliated with My Patriot Supply. Are you prepared for the next unplanned emergency? As we speak, inflation is rising and the grocery store shelves are stocked less and less every day. The time to prepare is now. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com, visit the store section, and click on the My Patriot Supply banner and purchase yourself some buckets of delicious gourmet food with a 25 year shelf life. You can also purchase other essential supplies you can use during times of unplanned emergencies. Supplies such as the Alexa Pure water filtration system, first aid and medical supplies, solar power supplies, and much more. Again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Visit the store section and click on the My Patriot Supply banner. Don't be left in the dark. Get yourself and your family prepared for the next unplanned emergency today. 
I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Into the World by Molly Diago, and it is my pleasure to welcome her back to the show after a couple of years. Molly, how have you been all this time? Hey, I've been good. Thank you so much for having me back. Hey, thank you so much for once again joining the show. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. I was excited. Yes, yes, indeed. So last time we talked, it's been a couple, uh, yeah, about a couple of years. It was 2020 the last time I had you here on the show. And, uh, of course, uh, that was about uh, when everything was going on, when everything was just at a standstill. It's like it's like somebody hit the pause button on the world at that time. <laughs> you know? Literally. And I can't believe like we're still sort of <laughs> it's not as bad as it was, obviously, but you know, we're still there with socks. But hey, you know what? We're almost over, hopefully, and it's been a wild couple of years. Now I it wasn't too long after I talked to you, maybe a month or two. I can't remember exactly what month I had you on in 2020, but it was, uh, wasn't too long after that, that I actually caught COVID, but, uh, Oh my gosh. I, I, I don't know. I, I've been sicker than that before. So. Oh, it wasn't bad for you. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I know some people get it way worse than others. You just never know. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my sister, I, I didn't think my sister was going to die, but she, she got a lot sicker than I did. That's for sure. So. Uh, has she had any like after effects that have been nasty or has she been okay? Oh, she's been fine. She's been oh, good. She, glad to hear. she just missed a couple of weeks of work. Me, I was, I'm fortunate enough to work from home and, uh, I wasn't too sick to work. So. Oh, good. So you worked through the pain. Cool. Well, I'm happy that everybody's healthy now and hopefully yeah. it'll stay that way. Yes. Yes, indeed. But uh, since then, aside from uh, releasing the latest single that uh, we just listened to, I mean, um, overall, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, what are the positives you think uh, you can take out of these last couple of years during the height of this pandemic? Sure. So, well, I mean, the one good thing I guess about it was the downtime because you know there wasn't a lot of touring happening. Everybody was sort of staying home because. Uh, I mean, for obvious reasons, and we got to do a lot of writing, a lot of sort of working out the kinks, I guess, to have some sort of a product <laughs> like what you just heard, uh, you know, to put out there. And I think the last time I talked to you, um, the first couple of pieces I put out were duets with a couple other guys. Um, Waylon Revis did one with me, for, you know, he's a mushroom head guy, and then uh, Hugo from Tantric did one too. And so now I wanted to focus on my own stuff and kind of, you know, be independent of all that, even though they're great guys and and (laughs) I appreciate them, but it was time. So I guess the one positive from the pandemic for me was that I got time to focus without, you know, having to travel and everything kind of stopped and it was nice to be home. Um, I have horses. I got to play with the horses. That was fun. (laughs) And, you know, other than that, that was about it though. How about you? (laughs) What positives do you have other than you're alive and well, (laughs) Oh, a, a lot came out. 2020 wa- it wasn't such a bad year for me, I, I'll say. Um, you know, it wasn't too long after I talked to you, too, that uh, there was 
basically a miracle that happened in my area, which was uh, the Highway 30 Music Fest, which uh, was up in the air. We weren't, we weren't sure if it was going to happen or not. And uh, lo and behold, the, uh, the promoter of the Highway 30 Music Fest here in the Twin Falls area managed to pull off that three-day special in the height of the pandemic, set up um, hand sanitizers and, uh, you know, try, tried to make social distancing mandatory, but that didn't work once Chris Jansen hit the stage. <laughs> I bet. But, I bet. But was it a good time, at least? Oh, Oh, I can't, I can't begin to tell you how, how great of a time it was. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, of all times during 2020, we actually got, I got to do that and uh, zero confirmed cases of COVID afterwards. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, there you go. It's the music that got you through, right? Music is what keeps us alive, I think. You know? Absolutely. You know, and, and the um, the promoter for Highway 30 was talking about that, say, saying we're existing right now. You know, that's all we're doing is we're existing. It's time to start living again. Absolutely. It's all we can do, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's it's gone to the point, too, where somebody told me, Somebody else I interviewed, they told me that uh, their concert experience was watching it live on YouTube. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you, uh, no, that's just the same as watching it on TV. You don't get the excitement and energy for, uh, that you would get from watching a live show. Absolutely. Yeah, and I remember, actually, that, that year, so many artists put out that the virtual you know, virtual shows or whatever. And yeah, I totally agree with you. It's just not the same. And I can't imagine that those are fun to play either when you have no energy, you know, really nothing to play to other than a dead room and some cameras, you know? You know, even, even so, you know, some, somebody told me this was no different than, than watching TV, but I disagree. It was when I was uh, on my 16th birthday in California, when I was, uh, I attended an all acoustical concert. Uh, Neil Young was the head of it, and they, they also had uh, Tracy Chapman was there, and uh, quite a few others. And um, oh. <laughs> wow, yeah, I, <laughs> that's awesome. I I was way up in the back row where the clearest view I got was on a screen of, ahead of me, but I could still look down into the stage, and of course. You know, there's uh, people around me smoking weed and having a good time. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, that's the that's the life, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> what a sweet sixteen! My goodness. And still, that's still you just don't get that experience from uh, from watching it on TV or the internet. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. So, I mean. 2022, though, looks like everybody's really back in business. So hopefully we'll have a lot more shows and stuff to pick from, I mean, as we move out of this, kind of, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and of course, I've got you on Facebook, and I see you do spend a lot of time with your horses, too. Oh, yeah. that was, Like I said, the pandemic, I, uh, I spent a lot of time <laughs> with the horses because there was nothing else to do, you know? So... Um, but we had a good time. They're always fun. I've been a horse person my whole life, you know, part, thanks in part to my family, but, uh, it kept me busy and outside and doing stuff. So that's all I could ask, you know, you know, I haven't been in the saddle for over 30 years. You rode? 
Well, when I was a kid, I did, <laughs> but I haven't. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, but I just, I haven't done it in so long. And uh, that's something I kind of, I've been thinking about, you know, if I can go somewhere and, and uh, I, you know, there are places where they rent horses out. If I can do something like that, you know. Sure. Come visit us. I got horses for you. <laughs> I've <laughs> got a bunch. Yes. <laughs> but you, I, I take it you have a ranch. Yeah, so I have uh, I have some racehorses that are actually in New York right now, um, you know, with the whole racehorse stable. But I uh, I moved to New England, uh, I think in 2018 or 2019, and the house had like a super antique barn, which was kind of cool. And I was able to convert it into like a really small stable so I can keep a couple horses in my backyard. So I have my riding horses here and then I have a couple of resources in New York, but they all will ride. They all will go. So anytime you want to come, hop <laughs> on over. We'll be here. Absolutely. Considering I've got new friends in uh, New Hampshire that I'll, ha- I'll have to uh, talk. I'll have to talk to them. Cause I got a buddy in uh, Manchester who's uh, running a, a daily uh, or a weekly radio show. I say five days a week. So, um, and he hasn't. I have yet to tell him about uh, some of some of your stuff, and I think uh, once he hears you, he's going to like what he's going to hear, and he's going to he's going to say, "Hey, how can you get me in touch with this person?" <laughs> well, that would be awesome. I would definitely appreciate that. I hope he does. Yes, yes, Matt, if you're listening, which I know you air this show on IPM Nation, so sure. yes. hey, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so. So the the song we just listened to, the end of the world. Uh, so, tell me, what was the inspiration behind that song? So I think there's a couple different things, uh, you know, that we can kind of take from it. And I wrote this song with Sahaj uh, Tikatin. He's the lead singer of Raw. Um, if there's any early two thousands rock fans tuning in, um, at the time. Uh, actually, it was written about a year ago. So, I mean, COVID wasn't like terrible. Like it wasn't like 2020, you know, but still like a lot of people were, uh, you know, it was almost an ominous feeling like, oh my gosh, this is the end of the world. Right. So we kind of uh, got together and we're just brainstorming ideas. And uh, what was supposed to be sort of like a doomsday song ended up turning into sort of a more, uh, a deeper type of thing, I guess. And so at the end of the day, like for some people that listen to it, they take away, um, especially in like relationships, I guess, like, and more so now than ever, like no matter what happens, I guess the bumpy roads that we're going to hit in life, nobody's ever going to have a perfect relationship. And it could be a relationship with yourself, a relationship with, you know, your partner or your parents or whoever, um, if you really love that person and you really, you know, want a future with them, like you'll go to the end of the world to make it right. So, um, I think it's really at its roots. It probably means something for everybody who listens, but really for us, um, it's just about taking the punches as they go. And if, you know, the people in the relationships in your life mean something to you, you know, you'll go to the end of the world to forgive them or to forgive yourself or, you know, so on and so forth. So, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but hopefully that explains it <laughs> in plain English. Actually, not only does that answer it, but uh, I mean, you're saying a lot of things there that I can easily relate to as well. And sure. 
I mean, like I say, you know, 2020 wasn't such a bad year for me because, because, uh, you know, I mean, not only that was there highway 30 music fest, but I mentioned my sister and, uh, yeah, it was my fault. She caught COVID, <laughs> but, um, but, well, <laughs> it's hard to even tell. Sometimes a lot of people have it and they don't even realize it, right? So you can't blame yourself forever. Oh, I know. I know. She doesn't we, either. We, but uh, the thing, the thing was for her was uh, it was just a, um, somebody that uh, I didn't even know messages me on Facebook saying, uh, you know, um, telling me that I may have a sister I never knew about because we we have the same dad. My dad. Uh, probably never knew because he passed away when he was really young, and uh, mm. and I'm think I'm thinking at first uh, this is some kind of scam to extort money from me. So uh, you know, but then once I started looking at the pictures of this woman, I'm starting to realize the resemblance to my dad and some and other members of my family. And I'm like, wait a minute, some something's up here. I I think this is for real and. You know, the part where she caught COVID was when we had to go get our mouth swab tests. Wow. But, yeah, once the test came back, we were positive for siblings. And, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, and... That's an amazing story. It is. And uh, that, you know, I mean, considering, you know, she she's helping carry on my dad's legacy... You know, it means that I, I basically went to the end of the world for her, and I, I, there's not much I won't do for her either. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, man, what a story. I think that's the coolest COVID story I've heard so far. <laughs> My goodness. You've got yeah. a sister out of the deal. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's like I had COVID when we were getting the DNA tests. The DNA only, test. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know at the time, though. Until, you know, until I... I yeah, well, it happens, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I started catching the splitting headache, and then and then I lost my sense of smell for about a week. So. Well, then you know, it's game over. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't even get tested. I figured it's, it's a waste of time. My daughter already came up positive, and I had to have caught it from her. Sure, of course. Well, usually I think if the smell goes away, right, that's a dead sign that... Yeah. You got it, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a dead giveaway. So I just, you know, I quarantined myself and just uh, just wrote it out. Well, good. I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad your sister's okay. And I guess congratulations on your sister. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, that was a moment Absolutely. that really meant, really, really meant a lot to me. And the way you described that song, you know, just got me thinking about that whole experience, too. Sure. Well, I'm glad that it's uh, doing its job for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, thinking about, uh, the upcoming future now, uh, are there more projects you're working on? Yeah. So, um, I mean, specifically just end of the world is the first single off, um, an album that'll hopefully be out at the end of the year, also called end of the world. Um, and actually it's funny. The album is a little scary, but the album's not even finalized yet, but, we're super close to being done, which is great. And hopefully we'll have one more single um, out over the summer before we go out on the road this summer. And um, so it's really just full steam ahead, trying to get everything done and meet deadlines and hopefully have a really great summer on the road. 
You know, what I remember from like the 80s was, um, you know, a single would be released uh, and then, uh, you know, pretty much uh, the day or the day before um, an album was released. Now the way they're doing it is like maybe five, two or two to five singles will be released before the uh, before the album's release as if it's like this long teaser that's coming out. Does it, are you, is that the process you think you're taking? Yeah, well, actually, it's funny that you say that because there's a lot of internal discussion on my team on how we should do that. You know, people are, like, really split. Half of the folks on the team were like, oh, you have to what they call waterfall, where you release a single every month, and then all of a sudden at the end you have an album. And then the other approach is kind of like what you said, like put, you know, one, two, three, even five singles out and then drop the album. So. I am, I don't know, I feel like I'm traditional and I only wanted to do one or two because I feel that that takes the fun away of the whole album, you know, like I I want it to be new. I want everybody to have a lot to listen to and, uh, you know, I guess really enjoy it. So we'll put a couple teasers out, like I said, drag it out (laughs) in my usual fashion. Um, The first two songs I put out, I think, were your part. Now it's been two years since I've done anything, so... Um, hopefully it'll just be two, but like I said, we have a couple chefs in the kitchen trying to decide exactly what we're going to do. But like I said, hopefully it'll only be one or two and then you'll have the full thing and then everybody will be happy. Hopefully. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, well, I mean, it's then of course, uh, anymore, it's like some artists aren't even releasing albums. They're just releasing singles, right? One single after another. That's like the new thing. I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, I'm nobody to say that it's weird, but to me, like, I'm so excited, uh, you know, getting that album and, and hearing the things that aren't singles, you know, like those sometimes, and records that I love, like sometimes those end up being like my favorite songs, you know? So to hear some of that B-side process, it's not always as good as, or not as good as, but as exciting or radio-friendly as a single. Because I think that's the other thing. Like when artists, uh, pick singles and it's usually their team. It's usually not even them um, all the time, at least like they're picking songs that they think will get picked up by radio and get picked up by movies and TV and X, Y, Z. And sometimes I feel like it, when you're doing it that way, it eliminates the possibility of really good, like B tracks, I call them, or, you know, um, sort of secondary non-single format. Since those are like my favorite <laughs> usually on, you know, artists that I love. So, Um, that's why, like, I, I didn't really want to do it that way. However, you know, like you said, a lot of people are doing it and it's just weird to me, but whatever floats their boat, I guess, you know? Well, it's it's a process that's uh, so difficult for me to get used to, I guess. I mean, I still, I'll enjoy the music any way they put it out. It's just, it's just very different for me coming. I guess I'm just old school. Sure. I mean, I'm, I feel that way too. I mean, here I am. I'm I'm not that far from fifties. So I I know to some some people that th- they'll say that's still <laughs> young, but you're still uh, young. You're still a kid. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a kid at heart. Believe me, and my body has that's a count. So yes, but uh, you know, I'm sure. I'm just so used to the the way they did it in the eighties and the nineties that just that. You know, maybe the single was uh, released maybe no more than a week before the album was. You know, that's so much what I'm used to. Absolutely. And like I said, I 
I think when, because I, I, of course, I was sort of grown up in the 90s, so it was, it was similar to that, but you'd get maybe a month or two before the album dropped, and I love that. I thought it was the coolest thing, um, you know, to have that little teaser, and then boom, here you go, here's everything else. So um, who knows, like, what the future will sort of hold in that, but I know that folks who waterfall the singles, um, there's so much pressure on Spotify and Apple Music and stuff, and they all have, like, very advanced algorithms, that get your music heard by people who aren't, you know, organically streaming your song. And so I think that there was some science behind um, the more content you put out, the more likely (laughs) that your music is going to get picked up in the algorithm and played for people who wouldn't normally listen to your stuff in hopes that you get new fans and sort of generate more streams and such and such like that. So I feel like that's why we're going in this direction is because of the importance of streaming. But I mean, who knows really? Um, a new thing could come out tomorrow and send us right back to where we were. So you never know, I guess. Uh, one of uh, one of my memories, of course, uh, from 1994. Um, it was probably about five months after I had I had graduated at high school, of course, and uh, I remember that year. That's the year Kurt, uh, Kurt Cobain died, and they were finally uh, releasing the CD for Nirvana Unplugged. And uh, I remember oh I remember that morning when it was ready to be released is uh, I was, I had just gotten paid too. It was payday where I was working and uh, I had just gotten paid and I was standing in line waiting for the, for the music. So I think it was Sam Goody at the time at the mall. I was standing in line Why waiting for it to open. And I bought oh. one of the last five CDs when that came out. Wow. That is awesome. That's an awesome story. I mean, I can imagine that there's a lot of people probably standing there <laughs> that day for that across the whole country. You know, that's crazy. What were your, uh, did you go right home and like listen to it all like on its entirety? What did you do? I actually uh, had my uh, portable CD player with me, and I took it out. Oh, of so it. you weren't wasting any time. <laughs> I wasn't going to waste any time with that one. I was a huge Nirvana fan. That is awesome. That's yeah. great. Well, I mean, and that's a memory you'll have forever. Like, that's a moment of music history, you know, that day. Uh, just because of, you know, the nature of what happened and, and, and how cool it was that they were still going to release that, you know? And uh, the fact the fan, there were so many fans just so eager to get their hands on that album too. Oh, I bet. Yes, I bet. And I mean that unplugged performance was literally one of their last performances. I think, right? They might have had one or two after that. Like, it's almost uh, I don't know what the word is. It's almost ominous, I think, to hear that. And and you know, obviously, what happened. But yeah, well, uh, very sad at the end of the day. But. Uh, Hey, at least you have the uh, CD to, to say for it. Do you still have it? Unfortunately, I do not. Um, oh no! Yeah, a lot of my a lot of my CDs got stolen, sadly. But oh uh, well, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah, but oh, that was so long ago. Things like that happen. But of uh, course, well, you got the memory, so you know. I got the memory, and I can. St- now we got the internet. I can I can go to YouTube any time and dig up one of those songs. Absolutely. Yeah. This, and isn't it funny how, how the digital age, age has just changed everything? You know, oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> the way it used to be, yeah, you know, you, you recorded on a cassette or a reel to reel or something of that nature. And then you, 
you drove or you, or you took an airplane or however, it, some people even hitchhiked to go to places like New York or Los Angeles with the hopes of trying to make it big. You know, of course. Now all you got to do is you can be wherever you are, and uh, you can just put your sound out there, and and Absolutely. cross your fingers. Definitely, and that I mean, it's great that it, you know we have that ability. But on the other side of it, there's so many people now, so many more people. You know, it's easy for them to throw something up there because, you know, like you said, you don't have to uh, go through the, the super hard process that it was, you know, recording 20 years ago or anything and everything sounds really good. And the uh, pool has become a lot bigger, you know, for competition. And honestly, that's why a lot of folks aren't even, uh, they're not even going for record deals anymore because there's so many digital services available to us that take the place of the record deal. Um, it's becoming obsolete. So like, I'm, I'm really interested to see over the next five or 10 years, sort of how that shakes out, especially in rock, like rock, there's not as much money to be made as there is in, you know, especially like country right now, or even pop, like those are multi-million dollar operations and rock, not so much. So rock is like I said, slowly seeing the phase out of record deals. And I'm really interested to see if that trickles over into some of the other, you know, genres and, and then sort of what comes from there. Because I mean, the record deal was the, the, you know, the bees knees <laughs> from the fifties and sixties all the way till now. So, um, you know, digital stuff is awesome. And it's also, like I said, it's made competition really tough. And, uh, also just the pressure, I think that it puts on people to constantly have content spewing out, you know, that's, that's another thing I hate about it, but I guess it's part of the process, right? You know, it, there is a gold mine of talent out there, and sadly, a lot of them w won't get that opportunity. Absolutely. That sucks. But, hey, at least they can share, you know, what they can and hope someone hears it, right? The right person. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so I asked you um, if, um, you know, what's coming up next. So I guess uh, my extension of that question is, uh, when will, do you think, will the uh, next single come out? Um, I am going to say probably the end of July, if we're on schedule, which sometimes doesn't happen, <laughs> but I would say the end of July. Yes. I don't know, for some that yeah. may seem a long ways off, but it's really not. I know, time flies. And I wish it would fly a little faster because I'm sick of winter. Um, I'm sure it's cold where you are too, right? You're Idaho. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> we just had a new blanket of snow today. Uh, well, actually, here, um, like I said, I'm in New England. It was 70 degrees yesterday, and right now we have a winter blizzard warning for like six inches tomorrow. I'm like, what the heck? Like, how does this even happen? So I'm so over it, so over it. Uh, I'm not a winter person. I spent a lot of years in Florida and that ruined me for life. So I'm ready for summer. Hopefully it hurries up. I can say the same thing about the times I, I spent in California or Las Vegas. So oh, I bet. it ruins you. Even though Vegas, uh, you can say what you want about it, talk about the heat of Las Vegas, but a lot of people don't realize Vegas does have a winter time and Vegas can get very cold. Sure. And what's funny is one of the first times I went to Vegas, I was so excited. It was like February. And I think I was living in Syracuse, New York at the time, which is like the worst. It's like a tundra um, and tons of snow. 
And I was so excited because, yeah, everyone else said oh, Vegas is warm all the time. And we went, like, the first weekend of February, and it was not warm. I was so upset. I, all my clothes were, like, shorts and tank tops. Had to go buy a whole new wardrobe because, <laughs> you're right, that was not the truth at all. <laughs> now the desert can get cold. It'll, a lot of people better realize that, too. I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, that time I went to South Africa, and I, I get there in the middle of August, of course, Vegas was horribly hot that as it always is. I get to, I get to South Africa where I knew it, it was going to be wintertime, but uh, it, it was actually snowing by the time I got to Johannesburg, which it rarely does. So oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and it, it's, For sure. it snowed in Vegas while I lived there too, believe it or not. So Wow, I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm more possible in a desert than you might think. Jeez. <laughs> well, luckily for me, there wasn't snow, but it was way colder than I thought it was going to be. So I was upset, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> Hopefully, you won by the time you got there. Uh, you know, actually, I didn't. So the whole trip was like rough, but. I had a great time though. Vegas is awesome. Like, especially if you've never been like, that was my first time. So I was just in awe of everything. And the other rookie mistake that we made was, uh, we were staying on the strip and do you know how, like when you look, um, like down, you see the stratosphere oh, and you're like, Oh, that's really close. We can walk there. <laughs> so we decided to walk, but also in the desert, things seem way closer than they really are. So I had like flip flops. Cause remember I thought it was going to be warm. My feet were blistered. I was miserable. Oh, it was terrible. But we had a great time, even though we walked the entire strip all the way down to Fremont Street at the end. Like, it was ridiculous. But um, oh, it's wow. so cool to see all that stuff. Like, there's no place like it, really. Uh, when you get to the stratosphere, did you uh, did you ride that ride that uh, hangs off of the roof? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no. I could never that's, do uh, That's more than I was willing to give to Vegas, just in case. But no. Um, we did get to go to the top and see like the view, which is cool, but no, I wasn't getting on that. No way. I mean, coming from somebody who, who only made it as high as the 85th floor of the empire state building, there was no way I was gonna, ever going to do that thing. Oh, heck no. I, even if I liked it, I wouldn't do it. I don't think. No, not heights are just not for me. Never have been. Uh, I'm the same way. I'm yes. the same way. So I remember last time we talked too. you, you were talking about uh, playing guitar. You said you were going to get a guitar. So these upcoming singles, do we get to hear that from you? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny that you remember that. But yeah, absolutely. It's funny, like, I'm originally a guitar player. And I spent, I mean, the last 10 or 12 years that I've been, you know, for the most part, a professional musician, um, 10 of them or a good 80 to 85 percent of those years were spent playing guitar. So, um, I get that question a lot. And unfortunately there's some guitar, um, that you'll hear on this first or that you guys just heard, I guess on the first single. Um, but the really good stuff you won't get until the album, unfortunately. However, I hope that there's just enough to sort of tide you over until it comes out. So, um, it's really hard to, because of course, as a guitar player, like the stuff that I was playing, like when I was growing up and learning was like super, um, 
almost like adult contemporary, like Matchbox 20 and All American Rejects and stuff that was really like uh, sort of heavily reliant on just basic rhythms and stuff like that. And today's like modern rock, like that style has just kind of gone out. So we really had to rework a lot of like sort of how I was writing uh, to do this. So uh, for the first couple of singles, it's not as guitar heavy, but um, hopefully when the whole record comes out, everybody, you know, uh, will enjoy sort of what's in store um, when it comes to different licks and solos and, and so on and so forth. Oh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Uh, well, thank you. I, <laughs> I know I always like talking to you. You're always so complimentary. I appreciate it. Oh, well, uh, when I was... Uh mentioning some because i i mentioned matt uh, connerton in new hampshire a little while ago i had to call his show uh earlier because i i had something to say about a, a subject that i'm not going to get into right now but uh, he asked sure. he asked me what's coming up on outlaw radio and i said well if you've never heard of molly diago she looks like an angel and she's got the voice of an angel you're not going to want to miss this <laughs> Thank you so much. That's very sweet of you. Yes. <laughs> Everybody uh, who knows me would definitely say otherwise, <laughs> but I appreciate that. That's very kind. No problem. All right. Well, that's all the questions I have. I think it was more of a conversation than an interview, but nonetheless, I enjoyed it a lot. That's fun. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me back again. Yes. And hopefully, hopefully uh, I'll be back, you know, maybe oh. before the album comes out and we can do this again. Absolutely. And uh, really quick for the listeners, before we go to the upcoming music set, uh, why don't you uh, once again give yourself a plug and tell the listeners where they can find you. Sure. So, um, you know, as Billy said, my name is Molly Diago. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, um, everywhere, basically with social media at Molly D-A-G-O. And uh, you can hear if you liked End of the World. Unfortunately, it's not out yet, but it will be out on Tuesday. And you can check that on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your streaming. Uh, of course, we have a music video on YouTube and everything else. So I hope you check it out. Um, if you come visit us on social media, say hello. We love to say hello back and uh, hope you love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining the show. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Billy. We appreciate it. You bet. You take care. Bye-bye. And there you have the conversation I had with Molly Diago. She is such a fun person to talk to, and I look forward to having her on the show again. Anyway, it is time to go to the first music set of the show coming up. Going to have two more songs by Molly Diago. Yes, I played these two last time, but why not play them again? Yes, indeed. Also have Colby Cooper, Chino XL, and Tex Westis in the mix. Be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, did you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? Today you're gonna leave just like you did the day before. You disappear into the corn store. 
well I could swear that I saw you slip out the back door Left a set of keys and left me all alone I'm pacing out of apartment, my hands are broken everything and I just couldn't keep those extra 200 pounds off it started to affect my marriage she was too big for me and I'll sleep with anything 
The abdominatrix, the thiazizer, Tommy stapling. I've had my mouth sewn up, my hands chopped off. You name it, I've tried it. Yeah, except for exercising and eating right, Porky. That's right, honey. Then I found the Dormatron. Using a new technology called biorhythmic subconscious gymnastics, the Dormatron exercises you while you sleep. Just strap in your arms and legs, put on the Dormatron headset, then wrap yourself in the special high-voltage electric blanket. Turn it on to 11 and burn those pounds away while you have a relaxing night's sleep. Now that I've lost 280 pounds, my husband's all mine again. That's right, honey. No more escort services for me. Don't be fat a day longer than you have to. Remember, being fat can even ruin a romantic cruise. Call Dormatron now at 1-800-SLEEP-OFF-LARD or visit www.sleepofflard.com and sleep your way to a thinner, happier you.
Deeper than dudes voice from the all-state commercials A depressed consciousness is the greatest way to phrase it Yeah, I'm consistently thinking negative like I am waiting for an AIDS test A lot of shit that I read, they're claiming that it is sacrilege Think the world the Savior died for Yeah, but it's the only world that's left God insists that out of my lips I spit the Holy Eucharist It's more important than it matters your church considers life or death Something about the way you write your pen could be God's favorite weapon After death, you'll actually be a father who arts in heaven It's an urgency, an emergency, I'll commit suicide in a cemetery Don't even waste no gas money to bury me My mind is a corpse that never sings This song was written out of my mama's honest hate for me On the flesh of dead angels' wings Since preteens was diagnosed legally insane My pen contains the blood of a murdered child That hides when it rains I'm visited by Satan's friends that tell me things Holding a Ouija board Laying a chart on a skeletal heart with Hitler's hair for strings My walls are literally littered with obscene scenes From magazines of the symphony of screams and tears And raped and murdered aging ancient queens of the basement Blood and ligament encasement of tissue From where you lived out your thought dreams and fantasies You got issues and you refuse to face your it Your secret idiot idiosyncrasies rivals your idolatry Lord's policy will follow thee till you're reduced to a pile of trees Father don't make me kill a priest like my name was Walter Reed Locked to by the Bible, survivalist, dark novelist That lies awake, I'm torn apart Cause I'm the art that life imitates Your body's on its way to hell with its head unattached You're an arsonist being burned in the fire You've met your match I may be forced to hell and scorch and torture But how many unfortunate fallen altar boys have you altered? You perish and perish, you sickly fuck You should be defrocked, you're supposed to pray for people But you pray on people, you inflict pain, you're evil I'm slapping off your black veil I will impale you on your own church steeple
There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your Hunter Athletic Gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic Gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection, and speed. Battle after battle, Hunter Athletic Gear is the brand celebrating your victory. Hunter Athletic Gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies, including compression pants, fight shorts, hoodies, vests, caps, and bikinis. They can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business. Visit their website at huntermma.co.za. Gear up and let's train. What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax. Do not take this lying down. The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with MyPillow. Mike Lindell supports America, and we support Mike, but sadly, him and his company have been victimized by this cancel culture. But that's not going to stop Mike from making sure you get the best sleep possible, and now is the time to take advantage of those savings. Go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section, click on the MyPillow banner, and start your online shopping. Be sure to use the promo code OUTLAW and get up to 66% off your purchase. And if you act right now, you can get our standard MyPillow for $19.98, regular price $69.98. These pillows are made right here in the USA and are washable. So again, go to www.outlawradioabs.com. Go to the store section. Click on the MyPillow banner and start your online shopping. But remember to use that promo code OUTLAW to take advantage of those savings. Or you can place your order by calling 1-800-652-3982. 
And now a message for the men. Listen up, guys. Fact. As we men age, our IGF-1 growth factor levels decrease, which can lead to gradual deterioration of energy, muscle growth, and immune function. From Neutronics Labs comes a line of health supplements that make men men again. Deer Antler Velvet. Listen. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet contains the most concentrated source of widely diversified nutrition found in the plant or animal kingdom. Choose from Neutronics Labs liposome spray product. From the Ultra 10,000 Nanograms Package to the Platinum 300,000 Nanograms Package. There are also specially formulated supplements for joint pain relief, more energy, better stamina, better natural sleep, stress relief, and weight loss. For more information about these amazing products, visit keys2life.shop. That's K-E-Y-S, the number two, life.shop. IGF-1 Plus Deer Antler Velvet Supplements from Neutronics Labs. Making men, men again. Yo, baby, you've had your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? Fuck the shit, fuck the fucking shit, fuck shit. You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. Fuck shit, the shit, fuck shit. Shit, fuck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men, Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Lifetime by Molly Diago. Before that, Tex Westus with Queen of My Own Heart. Before that, Chino XL with In a Black Mass. Before that, Colby Cooper with Two Words. And starting off the whole set... Molly Diago with Hugo Friera of Tantric and Crazy Ever After. In just a little bit, you're going to hear the uh, AOW Classic interview with current UFC fighter Drekus Still Knox Duplessis out of South Africa. Yes, I talked to him back in 2014. Before I get to that, it is time to reveal... The Outlaw Radio, Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio, Idiot of the Week this week. Well, we had a Florida person last week, got a Florida person again. Uh, Deborah Liebrock. Yes, she's out of Florida. Arrested for cursing and at a police officer and exposing herself to a police officer. I mean, you will see the mugshot with this woman. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm sure the police officer uh, needed a bucket after seeing what he saw because this woman is nothing pretty to look at. Holy shit. <laughs> All right, with that said... It's time to go to the AOW Classic interview with Drickus Stillnox Duplessis back from 2014. Here we go. Digging deep into the history of AOW Productions, this is an Outlaw Radio AOW Classic. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week, he is one of the brightest middleweights that uh, fights for EFC Africa. I want to welcome out of Team CIT in Pretoria, Drickus Duplessis. 
also known as Still Knox. I want to welcome him to the show. Drickus, how are you doing? Hey, thanks a lot for having me. Doing great. Hey, it's great to have you here. And uh, my first question, as I ask all fighters, is uh, what were your early inspirations? What made you want to get involved with the fighting arts to begin with? Uh, well, uh, I started doing uh, judo at the age of five and uh, did rugby, played rugby. Since the since I was six, I loved contact sport. My brother's been doing judo since I can remember. And when I was five, I was old enough to compete and I started. And I've been, I did it for five years and then I went over to wrestling and loved it also, just loving to compete in, in any sort of contact sport. And that's when I started boxing at 14. And when I, when I turned 15, I started doing kickboxing, just um, I entered the competition, trained by myself, and I won my first fight, and I was in love with it from the first day. And that's when I started to start watching MMA videos, and everybody was talking about MMA. It was growing very rapidly, and I, I watched my first EFC at the age of 16, and I was just hooked, and I just wanted to put my whole game, the judo, the wrestling, the boxing, the kickboxing, everything together. And, um, yeah, I followed my K1 career, became world champion and uh, stopped K1 completely and went over to MMA. Now, just like uh, Don Madge, uh, like I said, you're you're a young guy. Um, you're only 20 years old, but uh, yet you're making big waves uh, in uh, MMA over in uh, South Africa. So, you, as, as stated, you really uh, did start at a very, very young age before you were a teenager. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I started with uh, with judo and wrestling before I was ten. <laughs> wow! And uh, I I know that uh, wrestling is still uh, rather limited uh, within South Africa. So, and I know uh, when I talked to Trevor Prangley a couple years ago here on the show, he said he in Cape Town he went to a club to wrestle, and that's where he got started. Where did you actually get your start in wrestling? Well, wrestling, there was a club where I lived. It was a uh, like a little club, not a very big club. And I just, uh, we moved from one town to another. And that's when I had to quit judo because there was no judo there. And I started taking up wrestling. And there was a, just a little small club there. And we had like regional fights. And um, I was never a really great wrestler. I wasn't a, wrestling was never, I was never that good in it because I was so used to the judo with the gi and everything. The wrestling was quite hard for me as a little boy to to get the hang of it. But as I grew older, I got the hang of it much easier. And uh, as the transition into MMA, I used it a lot more uh, effective, the wrestling. All right. And uh, I got to ask you, uh, before we go any further, uh, the name Still Knox, the nickname, where does that come from? Well, the nickname Still Knox is actually something my brother came up with. It was a... It's uh, it comes from my K1 career where I had uh, 35 to 30 wins and 27 uh, TKO and KO victories, and uh, that's what he came up with. That's uh, when when I had my first fight, the UFC said, "Well, you you can't go in there without a middle name, and you can't think of anything else than than a sleeping pill." And <laughs> that was it. All right, and uh, yeah, you you started. Uh, kickboxing K1 uh, when you were a teenager and uh, of course one of your videos that I, I uh, brought up on YouTube was a uh, 
it's only a 44 second video, a quick, very quick knockout. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners about that? Oh yeah, that was that was I was very young. I don't know, I think I was 15 or 16 years old, still amateur, and uh, that was to fight. That was the the trial to go fight at the South African Championship for K1, and that was like our provincial provincial trial that we fought and yeah that was uh, my fight my final that was the final fight I had three fights before that and that was my final fight and yeah it went according to plan obviously the landed the left hook and well first landed the left kick and then the left hook and the fight was over yes yes definitely uh, you, you've got some power in your hands for sure um, which uh, like I said uh, you've been making uh, very big waves uh in the middleweight division and uh obviously you recently contended for the championship which we will talk about later as well but um have you also fought uh professional uh, kickboxing or muay thai yes yes i have i've uh i've had a, a some pro-am fight here in south africa um and uh uh, in, in Thailand, I was scheduled for a fight in Thailand, it was quite a big fight, and uh, I got sick like the day before the fight. I was very sick, I couldn't take the fight. I was in Thailand for a fight, and then I got food poisoning just before the fight, which I was out for. But yeah, well, we had a lot of pro-M um, K1 events that I fought at here in South Africa. And, uh, and that's also the rules, the WACO rules. We had some pro-M rules there. Okay. As well. So, you got sick in Thailand, uh, so I take it you've been to Thailand, but uh, due to that unfortunate circumstance, you were you never had the privilege to fight in Thailand. No, no, no. Yeah, unfortunately not. I really was looking forward to fighting in Thailand, but I'm going back there in December, maybe get a fight. But obviously I have to make arrangements with TFC. I'm looking to go back to Thailand soon and maybe get a fight there. It'd be good for the experience. It's something I've wanted to do always. I've never been privileged to fight Muay Thai. It's something I really wanted to do. Been training it for a long time, but never got the privilege to actually fight a fight in Muay Thai because of the K1. I was Muay Thai isn't very big in South Africa. Although we train a lot at CIT because my team, my teammate Leon Maynard, who's a world class Muay Thai fighter, he fights Muay Thai a lot. So we've been training it for a long time, but never actually fought it. Only fought K1 rules. Yes. Yes, he was telling me about that uh, when I had him on the show in the past. Actually, I, I do believe you're uh, the third member of CIT that's uh, been on my show. I've talked to Mikhail Operman and Leon Maynard, so I, I believe oh, you're awesome. the... Yes, you're the, you're the third member. And, uh, third member. Yeah. So, have you... Um, have you always trained with uh, Team CIT, or uh, have, did you start somewhere else before going there? No, actually, I was at a, uh, uh, at a stand-up coach for for most of my career until I turned 18, and that's when I when I'm in my matric here, I started training at CIT. That's the only time because they're pro gym only, so I, I had to be able to go pro to train with them. And what? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was 18. I started there about two years ago. And, yeah, I've been there ever since. And I don't think I'll ever be somewhere else. 
Well, uh, I'll have a follow-up question to that uh, later in the show. Um, but uh, getting into uh, Team CIT, that's uh, that's no easy task. You really, from what I understand, you really have to prove yourself to be a member of that team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody in the EFC knows our team as a, a very rough team, a team that we don't we don't spar lightly. We don't. We're a very tough team. We we often get injured in training because we go a little hard. But and that that's also something you can see when we fight. Whenever we fight, it's never a boring fight. It's never a fight where where uh, the crowd is bored with the fight. We win or lose, we always go out fighting our hearts out. And that's that's something special from our team is no matter what happens, even though we if we lose, it will always be one cracker of a fight because we're used to that. We're used to the, to the shots. We're used to getting elbows to the head because we do it every day in training. Yes. <laughs> so it's very equivalent to what uh, shoot a box uh, team in Brazil used to be like. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. It's uh, it's just incredible. We have a lot of guys, a lot of pro fighters that have been to been to CIT. They they have a, they're with us for a week and then they leave. And it's just it's uh, it's a it's another level. You actually have the right mindset when going there. Yes, yes, most definitely. Yeah. And uh, you know, talk talk about uh, how you've grown uh, matured as a fighter, and you continue to mature as a fighter with T- Team CIT, and, and uh, what you what you learn every every day you go there. Yeah, um, absolutely. If you look at my first fight and you look at my fight now, my fight style, my ground game, my wrestling, my stand-up even has, has uh, improved leaps and bounds since since um, since my, I stopped my K1 career. It's just been, everything has just been improving daily and uh, limits for that because I have guys like Leon Maynard and Machu and Tumelo and seventeen years of experience he still improves every day and to be able to to train with that kind of experience just i get i get so much better so fast it's just uh it's incredible and yeah to train with guys with that experience really helps me to get the experience i might not have the experience in the cage to show it but the experience i get in training is much more it's worth much more than a, a few minutes in a fight Oh, I, I agree 100%, especially after watching uh, the title fight with Gareth McClellan. I mean, uh, you may have not uh, matched his experience in the cage, but uh, the performance you put on showed uh, how hard you trained, and it, that was a great fight. We, we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I gotta, I gotta ask. It, it can't be much fun training with. Uh, or sparring with uh, Leon Maynard or uh, Tamela Maputo, two of the t- you train with two of the hardest punchers that they're in uh, that EFC has or in all of South Africa. I mean, we know how hard uh, Tamela hits. Leon Maynard hits hits really hard too, and sometimes I can't imagine what it'd be like uh, sparring with those guys. Yeah, I mean that's that's like I said, it's just incredible. Uh, my hero, actually, is Leon Maynard. He's my hero. He's the guy I look up to in the world. Like he's my favorite fighter. 
it's just uh, so inspirational if you look at him the hard work he puts in he actually lives for the sport and yeah he's just incredible he does everything to perfection and yeah I'm so glad I have someone like that in my team that I can look up to and help me improve every day he's really if you spar with him you know it he's like a heavyweight and moves like a lightweight so he makes it quite hard yes so so talk about uh when you made the transition into uh, MMA uh I know the the South African rules uh state that uh, you have to have at least 10 amateur fights winning a, a minimum of 70% of them uh but uh, did did you have any uh, amateur fights uh with MMA before going into the EFC yeah, actually, I had three amateur MMA fights. I had three of them. I won all three of them. And um, but those were before I even trained MMA. Those were in my K1 days. Like there was events, and I was just so I was in love with MMA. Even though I did K1, MMA was my passion, and that's the videos I watched. And I trained myself at home with, um, and I always had the background of judo and wrestling and. Yeah, I taught myself some grappling, and um, yeah, my brother is a very good grappler, and we always played around, and when there's an event, I would go give my name up to fight, even though I'm a stand-up fighter. Uh, one uh, of my three fights, I won two of them on the ground of my amateur fight, even before I started training MMA, but that was just the passion I had. Nice. So let's uh, talk about when you first uh, entered the hexagon back in uh, EFC 21, and uh, I can't pronounce the guy's name very well. His first name was Tez, and I'll just leave it at that. But uh, yeah, yeah, you you st- you stepped in uh, and you won in the first round by TKO. Uh, don't have a specific time here, but uh, talk about that fight. Uh, and, uh, tell the listeners how, how that felt for you well uh, it was um, well I planned on fighting in the EFC one day and uh, making it to the EFC at some stage in my life and never I thought I would be entering the hexagon six months after finishing school and uh, yeah at the age of 19 stepping into the cage um, where I once sat like I sat a month ago as a fan I sat and now I'm there fighting, and it was just incredible. It was the biggest moment of my life until my title fight. And yeah, the fight I was actually I was absolutely um, I was nervous as hell. Like it was really incredibly nervous. It's nerve wracking. The first time I fought with so many lights, so many people, and um, yeah, when the first shot fell, I got I got a hard punch and I got welcomed to the AFC. And uh, after that shot, I was calm again. I could go back to training. I could go back and do what I trained to do. And uh, as I, I went for for a kick, uh, he caught my leg. We went for he went for the takedown. Uh, he hurt his leg. And as he, uh, he hurt his leg, and I turned around and started with the ground and pound. The ref stopped the fight like one minute, one and a half minutes into the first round, and it was over. And um, yeah, the, the fight didn't go really uh, according to plan because my opponent got hurt in my first fight. And uh, yeah, so it was kind of controversial win for me. I wasn't uh, I wasn't happy with the fight because of the, the way it ended. The guy got hurt. So yeah, we scheduled the second fight just two FCs after that. 
And uh, yeah, that was a great fight there. So that's the first time I could actually uh, showcase the skill I learned with Team Shaiji in the past year. Yes, that uh, that fight you're talking about uh, took place at uh, EFC 23 against uh, Bruno Makulu. Uh, you yeah. won. You got to showcase uh, that even though uh, you're primarily a stand-up fighter, uh, you've got skills on the ground, and you won in the first round with a rear naked choke. Yeah, yeah. What happened was uh, I landed a few uh, hard red leg kicks, and the leg kicks were starting to pay off. And uh, he caught one of the kicks, and he took me down. And, uh, yeah, I caught it. Uh, it was, uh, like, 30 seconds, and I, I turned him around, and I got him to mount. And as I started hitting with the elbows, he turned his back, and I got the rear naked choke. And that was really, it really meant a lot for me because uh, I got to show that people that, that I have made the transition into MMA successfully. I'm not just a stand-up fighter. And then uh, you would follow that up with another uh, rear naked choke at EFC 24 against uh, J.C. Lamprey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a, that was uh, one of my biggest fights. One of the toughest. That is my toughest fight to date. Um, I would definitely consider that my toughest fight yet. He was also a young gun going up the ranks. So we had to fight for for territory of the of the young guns, and yeah, he he was very strong. Uh, had him in a choke, he didn't tap. In the first or the uh, second round, he had me in a choke. He had me in a triangle. It was just a, but it was a all around war. It was wrestling. It was on the ground. Then it was, and uh, yeah, in the third round we were both exhausted, and yeah, I got the choke in the two minutes into round number three. All right, and uh, let's uh, get back a little bit to uh, Team CIT. Uh, why don't you uh, tell us uh, what your your uh, routine normally uh, consists of uh, on a daily basis uh, with Team CIT? Well, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, well, let me say like Monday, Wednesday, we at ten thirty. We would usually start um, uh, wrestling, grappling with our coach Atala. He's our grounding wrestling coach. And okay. And at at two uh, thirty, uh, we start our our daily training time. That thirty is our daily training time every day. We train as a team from two thirty. We all get there till about five thirty. That's our long session. And that yeah, that's Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and, uh, and then Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, we start at uh, seven. We have our fitness, we have a fitness uh, training session, uh, uh, just fitness and conditioning purely at seven o'clock. And then again at thirty to five thirty we train, and in between that we all do our weight separately, our weight training we do it separately, and uh, Fridays we start at ten thirty. All that's right. Point every Friday. Saturdays we have another session with Hatsela. Saturday mornings, and yeah, that's uh, how we go. All right. Then uh, a few uh, EFCs later, uh, you'd uh, go up against Donovan Hockey, who's uh, he's he's a very well known uh, MMA veteran in. Uh, 
South Africa and ha- has a very good boxing pedigree as well. And uh, a lot of people thought that this would be your toughest fight, uh, given the experience of Donovan Hockey. And you you would end up winning in the first round by a TKO. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Yeah, well, that, that was definitely um, the biggest fight of my career until my title fight. It was... Uh, it was um, uh, Donovan is a guy I've been respected. Uh, I respect uh, his outmost. I really have to respect him as a fighter. As a, he's a very um, nice person outside of the cage as well. And uh, I've known him since I was a little boy. Since I started watching him, I have seen his videos in fighting, fighting in organizations even before the UFC. Um, <laughs> and to fight a guy that I've known about and guy who, is, who I've been idolizing for years it really meant a lot to me to show where I've, where I've come with my fighting career and that fight really meant a lot to me and uh, it was very stressful for me to fight uh, definitely stressed for the fight but um, I truly believe in my team in my training we had the game plan and yeah implemented the game plan perfectly from the start and yeah it went to plan I caught him with he, um, or he had me in a guillotine. I escaped. It was a very tight guillotine. It was really on tight. And as I escaped, I started landing with others. And I caught him with the first other, then the second, and then it just started landing until the rest stopped it. So after uh, having a victory over a veteran like Donovan Hockey, what do you think that did uh, for your confidence? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It boosted my confidence uh, tremendously. Um, but there was still a lot. Even in that fight, I made a lot of mistakes. We knew it. We went to the gym. My coach, the first thing he told me was, we have, we have a lot of problems to fix. In the in the case, that's the first thing he told me. I thought, well, no fact, you don't still have a lot of problems to fix. And even though people, a lot of people started, um, yeah, people believing in me more, being able to win a fight, um, my coaches, they do believe in me 100%. They, they don't look at the good stuff, they look at the, the problems and what we can do to be even better. And that meant a lot to me. And But I knew there was, a lot of, there was a lot of areas we had to fix before taking on the title. Of course, and uh, taking on the title you did in your next fight, which uh, was very recent in Durban, uh, you took on Soldier Boy Gareth McClellan at uh, EFC 33, and of course this would be your first loss, your first MMA loss on your record. But like I said earlier, that that was an awesome fight. Um, you gave Soldier Boy a very good run for his money. Um, you know, I, I if I remember correctly, he even had his back a couple of times. I mean. Uh, but uh, it seemed like uh, your your stamina seemed to to fail you in the end, uh, and uh, you, you would end up. I I believe it was a rear naked choke you'd fall victim to, and you'd you'd have to tap. But still, uh, it was a great fight, and you really put forth a valiant effort against uh, Soldier Boy. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, he, uh, he beat me in a in a in an arm in guillotine choke. That's right. Uh, which I didn't tap. I yeah, I went to sleep, and um, it was a yeah, it was a mistake. The the first uh, the game plan was obviously keep it standing. Uh, that was the first time I 
I went in the cage with the mindset, I'm going to keep this fight standing. I want to showcase some stand-up skill. And I know that Soldier Boy's pedigree is on the ground. And um, the first round went extremely great. We The stand-up, uh, I got the better of him in the stand-up exchanges for the first three, four minutes of the first round. Uh, and then for the takedown, which I defended. And uh, yeah, the first round was everything went to plan second round came and he immediately started shooting for takedowns he didn't want to stand anymore so and we we expected that uh, but his takedowns was really good he caught he took me down and I landed a great two play actually in the in the second round and that's um, I was never out of my comfort zone in the ground the, the second round went absolutely perfect uh, I caught his back in the second round with a rear naked and uh, he stood up, he defended it well, I slept off and then he was on top again and I got up and I got him in a, in a rear naked again, which was on. I just didn't have my hooks in and I used a lot of power for trying to finish a fight with that choke uh, because it was in. And after that choke, my arms were very tired and he got my back for about two minutes in the second round and uh, just defending uh, his rear naked choke. Uh, really made me tired and the third round came I was kind of desperate to try to finish the fight I was tired but he was tired as well the pace of the fight was tremendously high and that's why I think we both were very tired and yeah um, he was on top and as I turned him around I, I did a, a, a turn around and trying to get on top and as I went on top I put my I stick my neck out for too long and then he caught me in the guillotine and that's yeah. the end of it. Of course, uh, prior to that fight, uh, Tamello had obviously fought uh, Soldier Boy as well. Uh, he fought him last year and gave him a really tough fight too. Did uh, he give you any pointers when it came to fight Soldier Boy? Um, yeah, we definitely we uh, we didn't really go on Tamello's fight with with, with with Soldier Boy because Tamello's fight is. Uh, we're two completely different fighters, if you look into that. But we did see a lot of his ho a lot, uh, big hole in his game with Tumela's fight, and that's the hole we attacked with the stand-up. And it worked perfectly. My coaches had the perfect game plan, and uh, the second round, even on the ground, it was perfect. Everything went great. And third round, after I uh, gassed my arms, things just started going downhill from there. But, yeah, we definitely um, took Tumela's fight as a learning curve, and uh, we tried to to formulate a game plan from that fight, but um, yeah, didn't, uh, because uh, Tumelo and I are two completely different fighters, that's not something we could really use because he's not a ground guy. He's not a guy who wants to, he's, he's very strong. It's really hard to keep Tumelo down on the ground. And yeah. I, I'm not I'm not troubled by uh, um, staying on the ground and grappling. <laughs> but his fight with uh, with Jerry Smith and his fight with JB Kruger was a very big learning curve for us. We analyzed those fights trying to get a, a game plan for him. Yes. And uh of course now your teammate Mikhail Oberman is gonna be uh going up against Soldier Boy next. Uh without giving away too much, uh how much are you helping him out uh preparing for this upcoming fight? Uh, we haven't started prepping yet. It's still, uh, we're still on a break. 
at this stage. But I think uh, me and Mark, have a, uh, a, uh, we have a lot of similarities in our ground game and, and our, our fight style. We train together quite often. Me and Mark, are like um, we are uh, training partners. We train together most of the time. So, yeah, definitely I think it's going to be great for, for the team, for, for Mahil, there to um, to know that um, I have a little bit of inside info, if you can put it like that, on the fight and what he does and what he can do and what he's good at and what he's not good at. So, yeah, I'll definitely be looking to help him with that. All right. So, let's uh, talk about your future in the sport now. Uh, obviously, with that performance against uh, Soldier Boy, uh, what do you think is next for you? Uh, well, I'm really looking to fight J.B. Kruger next. All right. Me and, me and Dima, we have already uh, on Twitter agreed to fight now. It's just up to the UFC to see if they can put it up for us, maybe December. Yes, you and J.P. Kruger, you two are also uh, very similar. And, of course, uh, he takes uh, trips to Thailand, and he's he'll be a, be a very, very good opponent for you as well. Uh, what, do you, what do you think uh, you can expect from J.P.? Um, uh, hopefully I can expect some stand-up from him because, I mean, he's also coming from a background of stand-up. But his jits is also very good. He's, he's, uh, these last few years, he's been giving a lot of effort in his jits, and his ground game is really incredible. So, yeah, hopefully we can keep it standing for a while because we can both come from the same kickboxing community, if you can tell it like that. We both fought at the same uh, SA championships, and although it was uh, long before my time that he he won uh, the South African championships with kickboxing, um, it was still the same organization, same people. So it will be, it will be kind of interesting to see how we fight against each other, two SA uh, champion kickboxing fighters fighting against each other. Absolutely. Now, a question I do want to bring up with you and uh, Mikhail being in the same weight class and say Mikhail does defeat uh, Soldier Boy and wins the title. Obviously, you want uh, your title shot. Um, would do you see you, uh, yourself against one of your teammates, or is that just like uh, fight fit militia? Teammates do not fight each other. Do you have that that same uh, philosophy at Team CIT? Absolutely. There's no there's no chance in how uh, that I would be fighting any of my teammates for a title. Um, I'm, uh, for for the time being, I'd rather I'd fight a few fights just for the to get the experience and let Mahil be the champion, which he will be. I fully believe that Mahil can beat Gareth. And uh, yeah, I'm, uh, just it's about fighting. I have a lot of years ahead of me, so it's about the love of the game, and it's not about the title. It's about fighting. So yeah, I'll just be looking to get a few fights. I'm not I'm not very keen on moving to another weight division, so I'll just be riding at the back. That's what I was, I was going to ask you next. I mean, because obviously you're 20 years old, still growing. Do you, do you think uh, you'd possibly go up to light heavyweight? But obviously you just answered that. Well, yeah, to light heavyweight maybe, but never to welter. Um, oh. The, our, me and my coach, we sat down and we talked about moving down to welterweight. And 
yeah, I feel I'm still growing. I'm just 20 years old. I've, I'm already walking around at 91 kg, so making the cut to Welta isn't going to be very, it's not going to be good for me. I don't think, I think it's going to definitely have uh, an influence on my power and my stamina. So I don't, I don't want to go, well, I'm a middleweight fighter. I enjoy middleweight. Um, uh, I had my chance. It's my huge chance now, and that's why I feel I don't feel any in any way. I don't feel bad because he he's going to take the title, and that and I feel that's my title. Um, I had my chance. It's his chance now, so um, I feel very comfortable with weight. Very comfortable here, and yeah, maybe in the future I'll be definitely looking to see to go to light heavyweight if I have to. All right. And uh, going further into your future in the sport, uh, obviously with a few months back, Ruan Potts getting uh, signed uh, to the UFC and being the first uh, EFC fighter to do so, I don't think I uh, need to ask you if you'd like to go to the UFC. I think I I know the answer to that. Yeah, uh, of course. (laughs) Say uh, you you make it uh, one day, to that to that level to the UFC or to Bellator or a big promotion here in the states or even over in Asia where they have one FC that's a pretty big promotion too um looking at yeah. uh, either the middleweight or uh, light heavyweight divisions uh who do you think uh, you'd one day like to fight is that that uh fights uh, for the bigger organizations Oh, for the bit. Oh, uh, let's see. Well, I'd like to fight in the UFC. If I have to fight a medal in the UFC for my debut fight, you're asking for a debut fight. For um, debut fight? Yeah. Yeah. Well, either or. Um, in the middleweights at this stage, I think a great opponent for me will be a nice stand-up fighter, a guy who likes to stand up and just bang it out. And, uh, well, obviously, I would love to fight for the title in the UFC. And I don't think Chris Weidman will have the title when I get there. Um, But, yeah, Victor Balfour, I think he would be a great fight to fight. I think it would be awesome to fight him one day. Well, now, uh, let me ask you, even even though... uh yeah, he he started in the UFC when he was just 19 years old, too, and... uh, you were to you were to go up against him. Uh, how would how would you deal with that hand speed? Because uh, he he does have some of the fastest hands I've ever seen in all of MMA. Yeah, he has incredible hand speed and he has incredible knockout power. And uh, yeah, so uh, if I have to fight Victor, I'd definitely be using some some K one skills there to be fighting him. And uh, yeah, he also has incredible kicks. His last two fights with head kicks, he's won with head kicks. Incredible fight. So if I had to go up against Victor Balfour, I would say I would definitely try to use my reach against him. All right. And uh, according, uh, like I like I said, you're obviously interested in fighting. J.P. Kruger, and uh, possibly that's coming up in December, but uh, anybody else in the EFC, obviously you, one day you probably want a rematch with Soldier Boy, or uh, would you want to... Yeah, that's, t- that's what I'm eating after. How about uh, giving Tez a rematch after the leg injury one day? 
yeah, definitely. If Pez can, if he, he's, uh, I would like to see him make a comeback and climb the ladder and we can definitely settle the score on that one. I think he's a good fighter. He definitely hit me with the first punch and I fouled it. So I think it would be a great fight to give him another shot. All right. Well, that's all the questions but, I yeah, have. Yeah, my main goal at this video. Okay, my, I, I do apologize. Yeah. But, uh, that's all the questions I do have for you at this time. I'd like to go ahead and give you this opportunity to give a shout-out to your sponsors and also uh, tell the listeners where they can find you on the Internet via Facebook, Twitter, or website. Oh, awesome. Uh, my sponsors, thanks a lot to uh, with South Africa, great sponsors. Uh, GNC, SA GNC supplements, the best sponsor in the world, best supplements, uh, keeping me fueled. And uh, God's sake, Gearbox and this, great. Uh, they're supporting me all this time, GST, great sponsors. Uh, thanks a lot, you guys, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, give me a follow on uh, on Twitter, Drinkers at and uh, go like my page, my Facebook page for some great updates. You can win some nice bad boy and still knock merchandise there at Drinker uh, Still Knox uh, Yeah, give me a follow there. Give me a, also give me a follow on Instagram at Drinker's Yeah, and then keep, uh, I can keep you updated with the latest fight news. Still Knox, it's been a real pleasure talking to you here on the show. I want to wish you the best of luck in your future and definitely uh, look forward to seeing you fight again soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me. really appreciate it. Absolutely. And there you have the classic interview with Drickus Stillnox Duplicy out of South Africa. I hope sometime I can get a follow-up with him. Anyway, it is time to go to our next music set. Coming up, we got Hydrogen, Tom McDonald, Reckless Kelly, Man of War, and Mandy Shea. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Come on if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan! Tell you. 
today's fast-paced world, a split second can be the difference between achieving your dreams... Hey, I just won the Nobel Peace Prize! ...and not. Oh, wonder if wrestling's on tonight. More Americans are realizing if you don't have the latest and greatest technological devices, you will fall behind. I didn't upgrade my personal organizer, and two days later I was diagnosed with a terminal illness. <laughs> That's exactly why you should come visit the friendly people at House of Tomorrow, and they'll set you up with all your 21st century technology needs. I only spent $20,000, and now I can get email in the shower or surf the internet while I'm driving. I was bored stupid at my daughter's recitals and my son's Little League games. <laughs> Thanks to House of Tomorrow, I can play wireless head-to-head -head 3D virtual reality polka literally anywhere. If it's a flash-in-the-pan technology of absolutely no use to anyone, you can find it at House of Tomorrow. Remember, only technology makes life worth living. House of Tomorrow. We'll upgrade your system, then you can upgrade your life. Guilty for shit that I didn't do But I can understand the reasons why you think that I should Yeah, I'm white, but I never put your neck in no noose And I never burnt a cross or hit my face with a hood You can't just label me racist Cause I'm related to people who did some terrible shit Way back before I was alive My parents brought me up to treat everyone as an equal I refuse to feel ashamed cause of my pretty blue eyes Fuck a Nazi, fuck a white supremacist Fuck anyone who labels me as that Because of my family genetics The hatred for Caucasians is so fucking pathetic Go be proud that you're black, but don't hate me for some credit I'm not the white devil, neo-Nazi cop trying to pull the trigger You can call me what you want, but I'd still never say The white race as a whole ain't the enemy There's racist white people, but we're far from that collectively White boy, don't say that White boy, oh you so bad White boy, you wish you were black White boy, dear white boy Sitting next to me, I don't assume that every black's favorite drink is Hennessy. I don't dislike Tanisha because her first name isn't Stephanie. Not only is that wrong, it's a fucking waste of energy. Ivory or ebony, 45 or 17, we all bleed the same. Martin Luther King or Kennedy. They're angry, I'm reciting the facts. He's white and he raps. He stole the culture right from the facts. Okay, it's fire, but we lit the flame. He's siphoning gas. So fuck this corny little honky man, the whitey is whack. You letting history perpetuate the hatred within. And then you pay me with the brush you painted slave owners with. Yeah. White boy, don't say that. White boy, oh, you so bad. White boy, you wish you were black. White boy, dear white boy. Sister, an auntie, an uncle, and a grandma that I picture when you're openly hating. And God willing, one day I'll have a kid of my own. I refuse to let you blindly hate my wife or my baby, so go ahead and hate the racist. I pray for their extinction. If you want to hate the white people, just make the distinction between the ones who want the best for everyone regardless and the ones who build the system just to smother you with hardship. Stop before you say it. I know what you've been thinking. How's a straight white male in 2018 bitching? You're making me the villain by demonizing my race. For 
things I didn't do and decisions I didn't make. No one that I call a friend has ever owned a slave. And neither did our dads or our dad's dads. Fuck's sakes, acknowledging atrocities were wrongly committed. It's all that I can offer when I'm wrongly convicted. I would never hate a man for what God gave him in pigments. And I would never plot against him just because he is different. I would never judge a human for the cards he was given. Or call him lesser than myself because of the race that he's mixed with. White people that you hate aren't your neighbors or lawyers. They're the Rockefellers, Rothschilds, Bushes, and Royals. They're the people who monopolized the water and oil. And injected your communities with drugs that they spoiled. Got no patience for Nazis. I think they're better off dead. The fighting hatred with hatred making the hate more intense. I don't want nothing to do with either side of the fence. So don't blindly attack me for wearing braids on my head. Hate the people who believe you put yourselves in the ghetto. Hate the ones who teach their children you ain't shit cause they said so. Hate the ones who think you're all the same and judge you profusely. Cause the way that you're portrayed on our news and in movies. Being white and being racist aren't the same and I promise. No, it's hard to tell the difference if I'm just being honest. I deserve the chance to show you I'm not part of the problem. And you owe it to yourselves. We got so much in common. White boy, don't say that. White boy, oh you so bad. White boy, you wish you were black. White boy, be white boy. Say that, white boy. Oh, you so bad, white boy. You wish you were black, white boy. Dear white boy. Hey, old lady, let's go to the motel cowboy show. We'll drink and dance, there's no place else to go We'll stay out all night long, we'll toast the break of dawn Hey old lady, let's go to the Motel Cowboy Show Well, there ain't no fun, but I'm saying Stronger will be fine 
just can't care And I feel the same every day You're my addiction Every time I try to stop
left-wing community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho are still up to their dirty tricks, teaching Idaho kids from cradle to college that white people are inherently racist. Now, these left-wing nuts are taking the whole race thing to a whole new level with critical race theory. According to critical race theory, teaching children math, arithmetic, is racist. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, racist. Can you say ridiculous? Malcolm X warned against critical race theory. It's very harmful. It's wrong. And the leftist nuts teaching this stuff to our children know it. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Join the fight against the teaching of critical race theory to Idaho's youngsters. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org at some point, you're going to want to consider this. If a national emergency or a natural disaster or even civil unrest should occur, where would you go? Seriously, where? Heading into the sticks with some MREs and a tent might be all right for a week or two, but then what? And who's around you? Who can help you if you need it? And how long would you last without the security and comfort of your own home? If you've asked yourself these questions, consider X-Point. Located in the beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota, a limited number of military-grade hardened shelters originally built by the U.S. government. 80 feet long, 26 feet wide, 12 and a half foot ceilings that you can custom build out to your own tastes. X-Point, a nine square mile city of like-minded people who know that the best way to deal with the disaster is to distance yourself from it. If you've always wanted a real bug out bunker with the amenities of home, send an email to brendy at arcmidnight.com or text to 817-900-2424. X-Point, X marks your spot. Chaz Mitchell Custom Hats makes and sells custom hats with a Western influence. These hats are not cheesy, one-size-fits-all, except they're not cowboy hat knockoffs. Chaz Mitchell will custom design and build a genuine hat just for you, the way you want it. Chaz will actually measure your head, talk with you about the hat you desire, make it, and deliver it to you. You'll make a statement every time you put on your hat. Originally from Jigs, Nevada, Chaz Mitchell grew up cowboy and alongside his father, Waddy Mitchell. They built their first hats together at a workshop in Elko, Nevada. Chaz recalls his father once telling him, make a hat he would be proud to wear. After years of practice and studying hats and their owners, Chaz knows what makes a good hat maker. It's understanding that a hat doesn't only fit the circumference of the head, but also the personality of the owner. Get in touch with Chaz today, and he'll build you a hat you will be proud to wear. Visit Chaz Hats. That's C-H-A-Z-H-A-T-Z dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce that Outlaw Radio officially has affiliation with We The People Holsters. If you own a handgun, then you know you need the perfect holster to go with it. We The People Holsters are made right here in the USA by gun nerds who are not afraid to support our Second Amendment. Whether you want Kydex or leather, We The People Holsters has just what you need. We The People Holsters is the preferred option of professionals throughout the law enforcement industry, as well as those serving in the branches of the armed forces. Simply go to www.outlawradioabs.com, go to the store section, and click on the We The People Holsters banner to select the holster that's perfect for you. Don't wait. Get your holster from We The People Holsters today. 
If Idaho is such a Republican state, why do we have such high regulations and licensing requirements on businesses? Why do we force businesses to jump through so many hoops just to get started? I mean, even hairdressers in Idaho are required to have more training hours than police officers are required to have. That is contrary to the Republican Party platform, but it is standard and normal for Idaho Republican leaders who have been manipulating Idaho Republican voters for decades. Remember, you can't get good fruit from a bad tree. And Idaho Republican leadership is so immoral and so unethical that their actions are so bizarre and disgusting, you have to dismiss your children from the room before mentioning it. Consider the former leader of the Idaho Republican Party, Jonathan Parker, had to be replaced after he was arrested for masturbating in front of the window of his estranged wife's house while wearing a wig. He's in jail right now. It's time for Idaho to kick the existing Idaho leadership to the curb and get started brand new with true conservatives who actually support the Republican platform. I'm Ammon Bundy and I approve this message. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and Neutronics IGF-1, Making Men Men Again. The songs you just heard, you just heard Mandy Shea with You're My Addiction. Before that, Man of War with Black Wind, Fire, and Steel. Before that, Reckless Kelly with Motel Cowboy Show. Before that, Tom McDonald with White Boy. And starting off the whole set, Hydrogen with Mad World. All right, moving on. It is time for the Steve Solution. I don't care who you're voting for, Democrat or Republican, you need to be able to prove who you are. Because what's to stop tons and tons of individuals for whatever party, for whatever office, of registering repeatedly and sending different people into polling stations or the same person into polling stations over and over and over again using different voter registration cards when they've obviously voted fraudulently several times over. This is the Steve Solution with Stephen James on Outlaw Radio. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your old podcast pal, Stephen James. Now, wow, we've got some serious shit to talk about here tonight. Oh, damn. Uh, We are on the, well, kind of the brink of war. Sorry, stroke. World War III. You know what? I've been hearing that for years, Stephen. The uh, Persian Gulf, World War III. September 11th, World War III. I mean, uh, I'm not ready to get, to push that button because I've been hearing that so fucking much. So I I don't know. I mean, yes, could it be possibly, but uh, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Well, the last time, the I mean, think about it. The Russians didn't involve themselves much in 9/11 and Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, that's the thing, though, is that uh, Joe Biden has to get us involved into something that I feel, quite frankly, is none of our fucking business. You know, the tensions between Russia and Ukraine, 
do we really know what's going on or are we going by what the media tells us? Well, first off, the tensions, quote unquote, between Russia and Ukraine is simply that when the Soviet Union dissolved, and by the way, Vladimir Putin has used the phrase Soviet Union numerous times in his addresses. Yeah, Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. They were never part of Russia. Yes, yes, I I know, I know that. You know, and then I'm hearing, you know, oh, Putin's such an evil dictator, and then I'm I'm also getting the fact too. Our I'm get I'm getting a word that the Ukrainian citizens are welcoming Putin with open arms because their president is more corrupt than ours. Do we? That might be a possibility, but I'm literally watching a live news feed right now, and as Russian troops uh, start to venture into the capital of Kiev in Ukraine, the citizens of Ukraine are the ones with guns shooting at the Russians. So I don't know. Well, I've got an, I've got a minute and a half audio clip here from, uh, one of John B. Wells's, uh, newscast it's actually the one from thursday evening and i think uh, we should both take a take a listen to this here absolutely vladimir putin is not waging war against ukraine vladimir putin is waging war against the deep state which is operating in ukraine three cia run bioweapons labs were in ukraine I believe you may have heard about this on Caravan at Midnight. Just the, not even a week ago. Now, there's three labs over there. Now, people hear that and they go, come on. Well, let me get to this story very, very quickly. The Russian minister, Russian minister, here he is. Vladimir Putin's advisor says U.S. is developing biological weapons near Russia. Well, he's right. And they're gone now. What's the CIA doing running a bioweapons program in Ukraine? Why did CIA go over and visit the Wuhan lab? Heard about that one time and then, shh. We're CIA, don't talk about that. So what they're calling this, blowing up of deep state stuff, they're calling this a military operation and global markets unravel as Putin launches military operation in Ukraine. Now, why the quote marks? Because it's not against Ukraine. It's against deep state assets within Ukraine. Now, why would he want to do that? Because he's just put a huge dent in the cabal. That's what's happened. A huge dent in the cabal. It's really quite something. Okay, so your thoughts on that? I'll do respect to, to John. And I know we are part of his network. I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with that. I think this is nothing more than Vladimir Putin trying to reestablish what is now Russia, which was once the Soviet Union, one of the biggest badass 
powerhouses in the world, right next to, right here in the good old U.S. of A., right next to China, there were the big three. Now, right now, there's the big two. There's us, there's China. I think Russia wants to be more on uh, a top player and less the red-headed stepchild. I don't buy all this deep state, state stuff. As a matter of fact, uh, and I forget which book it is, but uh, uh, Tom Clancy actually wrote this entire situation out in a book probably 10 years ago. Literally, this exact same thing. Russia going into the Ukraine. Why? You it's know, a ploy to start to reestablish the Soviet Union. Period. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come to that conclusion just yet, Stephen. I mean... Like I said, we don't have all the facts that's go that's going on over there, and I stick to I stick to my opinion that uh, you know I'm going to look at this just the same way as I as I do about Vietnam. Is uh, this is a scuffle between the two of them that uh, we don't need to get involved with? As far as I'm concerned, let Russia and Ukraine fight it out. We've got our own problems. We don't need to get involved in this bullshit. I agree and disagree. I I agree that we don't need to fight a war over this at this point. However, you let one country take over another, especially one the size of Russia, when they are trying to obviously reestablish, or uh, sorry, stroke, reestablish the Soviet Union. See, that's I, what they're doing here. I, I'm not. I'm not coming to that conclusion yet that they're trying to reestablish the good old USSR. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. Then why do they want to invade Ukraine? Because there's other shit going on over there that we don't know about, and we're only going, like I said, we're only going by what the mainstream, lamestream media is telling us. And there's, I mean... Well, it's let's a, go by what Vladimir Putin is telling us. Oh, historically, this is part of Russia, so we take it back. That's basically what he's saying. What are we? What am I missing here? I mean, then again, you have the lamestream media who they they do all their edits and they 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 fucking lie all the time. How much did they lie about President Trump? Oh, the whole fucking time he was in office to make him look bad. I agree. So I ain't going to trust a damn thing they fucking say. But at the same time, 
you can't ignore. They're not, you know, okay. If, if uh, Mr. Wells is to be believed, they're trying to, you know, combat one particular thing, then that's fine. Why are there bombs going off in random civilian neighborhoods? I guess it, you know, why are random civilians picking up arms and fighting back to keep their homes safe? To me, it seems no different than. You know, let's say the most likelihood of, you know, an invasion of the U.S., that would be, you know, China, maybe North Korea. They don't have, uh, honestly, I mean, they've got the determination, but they don't have the manpower. See, and that, that, let's say there's an invasion of the U.S. What are you going to see big time? You're going to see, you know, military, obviously, but you're going to see a person like you, a person like me, that has guns in their home and is a proud American and does not want to learn how to speak Mandarin. We're going to start fucking popping caps off in asshole soldiers, right? That's what's going on in Ukraine. And that's another thing, too. You know how closely tied that uh, that Joe Biden is with China right now. And, you know, this basically we're going to we're poking the fucking bear and going to piss them off. Then, of course, there's going to be an alliance with China and Russia. And now we got two formidable enemies to face in a war I'm not 100% sure we can win with, especially with this woke society that has dismantled the beloved Marine Corps and weakened our military, completely weakened our military to, to the point, this is all part of an agenda. Well, the problem with, you know, China and Russia is they actually have to agree on a lot of things. And there's oil pipelines, which happen to run through. Um, oh, wait, there's this country. Um, damn, what was that country's name? Oh, Ukraine. Yeah, that's a real big problem. I mean, yeah, I, I understand that. Uh Ukraine has its resources. They, I mean, they've got the uh, oil pipelines. They've got a lot of agriculture, and they've got a lot of production. I understand that. Okay, so literally, the Ukraine citizens are firing back against the Russian soldiers. You can't tell me there's a conspiracy theory or anything else you and I would not do any different than if the Chinese or the North Koreans were trying to invade the U.S., right? Well, that's correct. Yes, I agree with you there. I mean, and you got uh, what they used to call in boxing the two-headed monster, the Klitschko brothers. They're gearing up and ready to fight. My point is... You know, people are going to defend their homelands. 
regardless of whatever, you know, do you have any doubt that our government is up to any kind of shady shit? I have no, you know, I have no doubt. To- okay, well, fine. Let's say Biden's up to some shady shit and China says, okay, great. Now's the time. Yeah. Are you, are, are you not pulling out your gun? Fuck yeah. I'm probably going to get myself killed. No, well, you know, at some point, so am I, but I'm taking more than they are taking to me. But my point is, you're, you're John, you, whoever is trying to remotely justify this invasion of Russia going into the Ukraine, and it's just not fucking true. And again, I know I know he pays the bills, and I'm sorry to disagree with him, but the fact is... I'm not agreeing with you or him. I'm saying we don't know a fucking thing, and we need to look, look in, into it a lot deeper. I'm saying fucking Tom Clancy, of all people, who was a, a wonderful author, and God rest his soul, but... He fucking wrote about this shit 10 fucking years ago. Vladimir Putin read a novel and said, hey, this is a great way to get from Russia back to the USSR. That's it. See, we still, I'm sorry. God, this is a good debate, actually. But no, we don't know that. We really don't know that. And, and and until we really know what's going on, we get the full story and we, you know, we turn off CNN and quit taking their bullshit as gospel. Well, first off, we need to turn off Fox News and at the same time. The, yeah, them because- too. I mean, Jesus Christ, right before we started recording, I was watching Fox News with a reporter in the the Ukraine in Kiev, and he was wearing a flak jacket and a fucking helmet, and quite frankly, he looked like my tubby ass standing there, and he was ready to shit his pants, even though there was no live fire anywhere, but... It was just the only reason I can think in this day and age for an invasion is to reestablish an empire. The problem with that is in this day and age, the U.S. and to a much lesser extent, the UN aren't going to allow a superpower just to walk in and say, no, uh, you're mine now. We're not going to allow it. So where are we now? We are on the brink of World War III, regardless of the reasons. So now, what do you, what exactly do you think uh, that uh, the United States government needs to do? 
first off, I, I, there are, I know that it's already talk about sending troops over there, which I'm completely against. Um, you know, s sanctions against Russia that'll last for how long? Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, this war could be could be over by the end by within a month, which which is a very common thing. But uh, and if that's I the do, case, what's that? I look, I look at the flip side. Okay, so we stay out of it, right? You yeah. Know, we, we're totally neutral. Do what you're gonna do. So, Russia grabs Ukraine. What's to stop them from grabbing Georgia or any other, you know, sovereign state that is now part of the world stage that used to be part of the Soviet Union? That's why we stopped them. We let them do it once because, hey, we got no skin in this game. You know, some business interests that we could fucking, you know, outsource elsewhere. So no big deal there. What stops them from taking another country and another country and another country and another country? I, I mean, true, whereas, you know, we definitely need, we had business in World War II. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I mean, the, the Japanese needed to be taught a lesson not to fuck with us. And I, as much as I still Well, that say, was a direct attack, so. I, I understand that, and I still think we, we could have kicked their asses six ways a Sunday without launching nukes. We could have done that a little bit better, I think. Um yeah, that was quicker and more efficient. So, drop that fucker. No, twice. Fuck. That's a, that's the thing too. Okay, now people are like, oh, we gotta aim nukes at Russia. They they got nukes too. What the fuck do you people want? You're just gonna get. No, well, quite frankly, their scientists aren't as good as ours. And do you really know that? <laughs> do you really know that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Quite frankly, anybody that is anybody wants to go to an American school, and we've constantly had to go over there to help disarm fucking missile silos because they just don't know what the fuck they're doing. So, yeah, I do know that. <laughs> oh, my God. we When have we had an argument like this? Shit. <laughs> fun it is but the point is you let them take one country what's okay you know quite frankly what does ukraine mean not shit except that you know they've got a really good seaport but that's fine we let them control that I mean, what's stop? What, what stops them from taking another country? Because they say they have a right to it? This is no different than fucking Germany in the 30s. Because they say they have a right to it? 
we're just going to sit back and let them? And then there's the argument of, oh, well, here's America. You know, the world's police department. We're not doing it to police the world. We're doing it because it protects us. Does it really, though? Does it really? When we need access to certain areas? Yes, it does. And Right now, and all this is doing is we're paying attention to them, and we got our guard down against our biggest threat, which is China. China's already got their eyes locked on my neck of the woods because of the cobalt mining here. We're and, not ignoring China. China's got a great relationship with Russia. If we let Russia fucking take major control over the entire European territory, then we fucking have no foothold against China there. And that's a big fucking foothold. However, we stop Russia. That also stops China. And the, the Chinese, I mean, we're talking the biggest racists in the world. They really are, too. I mean, there, there's a fucking museum in Beijing where you have, they have pictures of black people, right, compared to animals, and most of those animals are primates. And they run most of the black people out that were living in China. And they, in their own Mandarin language, they use the N-word all the fucking time. But yet in South Africa, they have said, oh, the Chinese are honorary blacks. And that they're, they're, some of those people over there are that fucking stupid. Well, that's because China is going to arm them. Which, by the way, who no, they're not arm no, they're not. They're going to enslave them because they're in debt to China. And by the way, who do you think is arming the Russians? Do you think the do you think Russia's got the infrastructure right now for this kind of invasion? Yeah, for Ukraine, maybe. But I guarantee you. Those SKSs that they're being armed with, they're not Russian-made. Most of them are Chinese-made. Of course, well, if it's made in China, we know how, how good the quality is. But I hate to say it, we are out of time for the segment, but I think we need to continue talking about this next week oh, as the news progresses. Yes, we most definitely. That will do it for this week's edition of Outlaw Radio. What's on tap for next week is yet to be determined as usual. Going to end the show with B.B. Chung King and the Buddha Heads and their instrumental single, Chicken Head. Thank you very much for tuning in to Outlaw Radio, and we'll be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope, 
We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio. you're in a band or maybe you run a radio show or podcast whatever you do you want to market your brand with custom made apparel look no further than fresh baked tees t-shirts hoodies tank tops caps beanies koozies banners and even masks you can get them all custom made from fresh baked tees 
Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to FreshBakedTees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Get Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including the new Eden Nutritional Support System. Check out We the People holsters, made in America by gun nerds who are not afraid to support and stand up for their Second Amendment rights. Click on the We the People holsters banner in the Outlaw Radio store. Get the best night sleep in the whole wide world and more with Mike Lindell's MyPillow pillows and other products. Click on the MyPillow banner in the Outlaw Radio store use promo code OUTLAW and save up to 66%. Visit My Patriot Supply and purchase buckets of food with a 25 year shelf life. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Visit OutlawRadioABS.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. You've heard the phrase, America's most loved brands. And what exactly did our loyalty to some of those most loved brands get us? I'll tell you what, money and lots of it. For organizations and their ideologies that directly conflict with American core values and the American way of life. Enter Etruzu.com, a place for patriots to buy and sell. You can open your own online store for as little as $25 per month and grow your business as big as you want. Buy from patriots and sell to patriots. Everything from ordinary household items to absolutely anything that's available from companies that do not have our country's best interests at heart. With Etruzu.com, you know who you're buying from and you know who you're selling to. Let's make your brand one of America's most loved. Get started at etruzu.com. E-T-R-U-Z-O-O.com. Etruzu, a place where patriots buy and sell. Mark your calendar and make plans now to experience Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. Take the whole family and enjoy good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock, and red dirt. Artists performing include Colby Cooper, Lainey Wilson, Ellie Mae Mellencamp, Cliff Miller, Austin English, The Steel Woods, Shane Smith and the Saints, Sam Riggs, and more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2022 include Bud Light, Falls Brand Independent Meat Company, Snake River Pool and Spa, and 95.7 KEZJ, Southern Idaho's new country. Have a great time while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. That's Highway 30 Music Fest 2022, June 22nd, 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. 
From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at outlawradioabs.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Yeah.